Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Fred, one of the pastors here. I hope that you've had a great weekend so far. And uh, many of us probably have a day off from work tomorrow uh, as we have Memorial Day as a holiday. And so while you're enjoying yourselves, I encourage you to take some time to reflect also on uh, the men and the women who have given their lives so that we might enjoy the country we live in and enjoy the freedoms we have, uh, including this freedom right here to come together and uh, gather and worship together. Uh, Even maybe uh, say some prayers for those families for whom tomorrow is not necessarily a day of of uh, picnics and sunshine, but uh, one of some some grief and and uh, mourning of the loss of their loved ones. But uh, but yeah, so we have that tomorrow. Next Sunday, also wanted to mention we have our annual meeting in the evening, and this is a great uh, Hillcrest Church family time as we gather together to uh, reflect on what God's been doing around here for the last year, and uh, also looking ahead to the coming year and some, some ideas and initiatives that we're working on. Uh, and part of that includes the budget for this next fiscal year. And so I encourage you uh, all to come and join us for that. If you happen to be a member, uh, we really encourage you to come as well. It's an official meeting. We need quorum and all that stuff. And, and the membership gets to vote on the, on the budget. So uh, make room for that in your schedule next week. Uh, we're going to finish up with some ice cream. Uh, afterwards. So again, some more church family time together, which is uh, really special. I want to take you back to the summer of 1984. I, I haven't changed much, right? Uh, I uh, was a sophomore. Why are you laughing so much? Um, no, I'm just kidding. I uh, uh, was uh, a sophomore in high school, and, or had finished my sophomore year, and I'd spent a lot of time uh, that summer in the classroom and out on the road learning how to drive. And we had a family of seven, and so the minivan of the day was this 1977 Plymouth Fury station wagon. And uh, man, that was a big car with a big engine, and uh, I was so not cool driving that car around with my mom or dad in the seat next to me. But uh, I had spent a lot of time uh, practicing, and right after my 16th birthday in July of that year, it was time for my driver's test. Now, I was nervous, but I was really confident in my skills. And I was excited to get my license and, and kind of get some of that, that freedom and independence. So I was there with the instructor, and we're pulling out of the parking lot onto Titonia Avenue near Milwaukee, if anybody knows where that is. And as it turned out, I had to kind of accelerate rather quickly to merge into some heavy traffic. And uh, man, that car had a big engine, and I looked down, and all of a sudden I realized I'm going five miles an hour over the speed limit. So that was strike one. So we're driving down, and the instructor says, okay, Fred, I'd like you to turn right at the next intersection. So I, I look ahead, and, and, and down the road a bit in front of me is this big intersection with stop-and-go lights and traffic. And so I kind of all of a sudden have tunnel vision to that intersection, and I'm driving along, and the instructor says, oh, 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 oh there, there it goes. And I, I had missed the next intersection, which was much smaller and that was uh, strike two. And then we got on some side streets, and uh, he asked me to do a Y turn, a three-point turn, and just look at that car. 
And so I'm doing my Y turn, and I'm coming around to my last turn, checking my blind spot, ready to merge into traffic, and boom, right up over the curb. And I kept going, and boom, right down from the curb, and that was strike three. Uh, So we got back, and he told me I had failed my test and that I needed to wait three more months before I could take my test again. And I have to tell you, that was just absolutely devastating for me because I was already one of the youngest kids in my class with the July birthday. And so that meant I'd have to start my, my junior year of high school without my license. And so I was embarrassed and ashamed, and, uh, and it was really, really difficult. And yet, in those coming weeks, uh, when I started to come to my senses, I realized that I had still so much more to learn when it came to driving. I needed more practice, more skills, more experience. And three months later, I retook the test in a much smaller 1984 Renault Encore. And I even had stick shift and everything, so I learned how to drive stick. And I passed my test with flying colors and got my license finally, and I had that freedom. However, since that day, I have been reminded that I am still not a perfect driver. I've had a couple of dents and scrapes along the way, maybe about half a dozen times with red and blue in the rear view, as they say. And uh, uh, 10 years ago, I had a, kind of a, a bad accident in the sense that was a lot of stupidity involved where I rear-ended a guy on the interstate right in front of the uh, St. Louis Arch because I was looking at the arch, not the traffic in front of me. And so uh, I, I have realized that I am not smart enough, uh, and, uh, and so I know that I still, even now, after 39 years of driving, have more to learn. And that's a theme that we're going to kind of see today as we uh, continue in our series through the book of Luke in a section that we're calling the teachings of the king, where Jesus today is going to point out that no matter how long that we have been with or known Jesus, we still have room to grow. Before we jump in and read the passage, let's pray together. Our Father, we are so thankful uh, for your word. We are thankful for the lessons that Jesus taught the people uh, of his time, the disciples, the crowds. Uh, And we are very thankful that that even today we can learn from those same lessons as we strive to grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. So, Father, open our ears and our hearts to listen and hear and understand. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would, please turn to Luke chapter 9. If you're going to read from a Bible or I'll have it up on the screen, we'll begin in verse 37. If you remember from last week, Peter, James, and John had gone up on the mountainside with Jesus by invitation, and it was there that they saw him in his glorious transfiguration. And they also saw Moses and Elijah appear, and they heard a voice from the cloud. It was the Father saying, this is my son, the chosen one, Uh, listen to him. So a spectacular scene up on the mountain. Meanwhile, the other nine disciples were left behind, and as we're going to see here in a second, it turns out they found themselves kind of in some hot water. So let's go ahead and pick up in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 37. 
It says this, On the next day when they, this would be Jesus, Peter, James, and John, had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and suddenly he cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Verse 41, Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he, the son, was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. So as we work through this passage, really keep this big idea in mind that no matter how long we have known Jesus, no matter how long that is, our faith has room to grow. We're going to look at a couple of the different characters in the story. We're going to start by looking at the weak faith of one man. Verse 37 again, it says, On the next day when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out and convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. This is yet one more desperate situation to be brought before the king. An only child, an only son, an only heir, an only one to to keep the name of the family lineage going for generations. And we have this agonized father who helplessly watches his son suffer so much, crying out, foaming at the mouth. His father says this demon has shattered him. I remember back in college and after college when I worked in some research lab settings, we used all kinds of glassware. Uh, It would be things like, you know, beakers, flat and round bottom flasks, test tube, pipettes, graduated cylinders, all everything that you kind of see in the movies. And what's one thing we know about glass? It breaks. So that was a common occurrence where we'd be working and sometimes we might clang one glass thing into the other one a little too hard and it would chip or it would crack or something and you realize, all right, well, we've got to take that and throw it away. We can't keep using it. And then there were other times when maybe I'd be walking with something, it would slip out of my hands or I would turn and bump something off the lab bench onto the floor and those we called a spectacular break because they would hit the hard floor and they would just shatter. Shatter into hundreds of pieces all over the place. And that's the picture that came to my mind when I heard this father describe what the demon was doing to his son. Not just chipping him or cracking him, but absolutely and completely uh, shattering him. And as I read through this passage for the first time, as I started to prepare for the sermon, I was really struck by by something. It said a great crowd approached Jesus. So lots and lots of people. We've seen that many times in Luke. And I wondered, out of this great crowd of people, why, 
why would Luke tell the story of this man and his son? I mean, surely there was all kinds of other suffering and desperate circumstances represented in that crowd. Why this one man? And thankfully, Luke tells us the answer in verse uh, 40. It's the father speaking. He said, and I begged your disciples to cast out the demon, but they could not. They couldn't do it. Now, if you've been following along over these last several weeks, you're going to remember a few weeks ago, Jesus sent the disciples out and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And they went through the villages, preaching the gospel, healing everywhere. So that's what they were doing. So why couldn't they cast this one out? I've got two, two reasons to offer you. The first was really to reveal the weak faith of this one man. Now, uh, Mark, in his gospel of Mark, adds a dimension to this very same uh, conversation. This would be in Mark chapter 9. It says, the father told Jesus, and it, the demon, has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If I can, if you can, Jesus said, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, the father had come to the disciples looking and begging for physical healing for his son. When that failed, he then thought, I better go up a notch, and he wondered if Jesus could help. But then, instead of healing the boy right away, Jesus first called the father to consider himself in his own spiritual condition, his own faith. And we see that the father confesses, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, the father's faith had been in other men. And Luke helps us to see that our faith and belief must ultimately be in Jesus. Yes, for things like physical healing. And most importantly, though, faith in Jesus for the spiritual healing for our sins and the consequence of our sins in our lives. So that is perhaps one reason The second is that the disciples could not cast out the demon because of the the still growing faith of the disciples. You see, the the disciples, their their faith had been growing over time. I mean, they've been walking with Jesus. They heard him teach. They watched Jesus heal sickness and disease, cast out demons, raise from the dead. They even saw Jesus uh, forgive sins, something they knew only God himself could do. And yet, in that, Jesus kept on testing their faith over and over, knowing that they still had room to grow. Let me share a couple of these examples. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tested their faith during a boat ride in a storm. Remember that? Terrible storm, and they panicked, and they wanted Jesus to help them, and so they, they woke him up, and Jesus' response was, where is your faith? So they had failed that test. But Jesus taught them a lesson, wanted them to continue to learn and grow, and he 
calmed the storm. Not long after that, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus sent the disciples out. That started out well, the beginning of chapter 9, and Jesus empowered them, and they went out to preach and heal everywhere. And, and Jesus said, take no provisions with you during this journey because Jesus wanted them to use that as a reminder of their full and complete dependence on God. And as it turns out, they passed that test with flying colors. In fact, we see them come back to report to Jesus to talk about all the things that had happened. And it was right then that Bruce Davis told us about this two weeks ago where Jesus once again tested their faith by telling them to feed the crowd of 5,000 men plus the women and the children. You feed them, he said. That was a test. And they failed. They said, how are we supposed to feed them? We have five loaves and two fishes. Come on, Jesus. So they failed that test. And yet, Jesus, wanting them to continue to learn and grow, taught them another lesson and fully provided a meal for Everyone, thousands of people, says that they were all satisfied and left 12 basketfuls of leftovers as an object lesson for the disciples. And then right after that, as Luke records, comes another test. Jesus is with his disciples and he says to them, hey, who do you say that I am? And Peter, kind of speaking on behalf of everyone, He passes the test. He said, you are the Christ of God. You are the Messiah. Wow, yay, Peter. He's getting it. Maybe these disciples finally have it, right? And then right after that, while Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain with Jesus, these remaining disciples are left behind and are tested once more. And it seems that they have forgotten to pray with desperate dependence on God. They have put their faith in themselves to heal this boy, not depending on God, and they failed another test. And in verse 41, we see kind of Jesus, his response. We see this faithful frustration of Jesus. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, How long am I to be with you and bear with you? Come on, you guys. Because up to this point, Jesus has revealed and demonstrated so much about who he is, desperately wanting his disciples to grow. And here's the thing. He knew his time with them was growing short. We're going to see in about two weeks, Luke records a shift in his story. And he says, Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. And so Jesus knows he's about to head to Jerusalem to be arrested, put on trial, and killed. And after that, he's got to leave this ministry that he started in the hands of these disciples. So he was a bit frustrated with them. Now, in my, in my morning Bible reading lately, I've been reading through the Old Testament, and uh, as I reflect on the Israelites as a people group, boy, from time to time, weren't they a bunch of knuckleheads? Yeah, they sure were. I mean, Moses leads them out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, 
They, they go out, they see the, the Red Sea part ways so they can walk through on dry ground. And as soon as they cross, it comes crashing back down over the Egyptian army and wipes them out so that they can escape. They see the glory of God there and, and throughout their, their journey in the desert. And pretty soon they start complaining. We're hungry. We're thirsty. Yeah, we have this manna every morning, but we want something different. We want some meat. And Moses, if you can't get that for us, we might as well just go right back to Egypt, where at least we had all the food we wanted. And man, and they learned a lesson through that. And so some 40 years later, they finally enter into the promised land and, and conquer all the peoples there. They finally arrived. And it doesn't take long for them, even after seeing all this majesty of God, they forget it. They worship other gods. And then God punishes them till they cry out and beg him to rescue them once more. Over and over, this cycle repeats as you continue through, through like the judges and the kings The people forget, God punishes. They repent, God rescues. Over and over and over again. Apply, lather, rinse, repeat. And as I sit and I read, I I, I reflect on these Israelites and I say, how can they do this? How can they forget all that God has done for them? All these miracles, all this glory. Why do they turn away from the true God and then rely on themselves? Where is their faith? And because during my morning Bible studies, I'm, or Bible reading, I'm also reflecting on myself, I realize pretty quickly I see the same pattern in my own life. All the things that I've seen, all the glory of God that I've seen in my life, and yet... I go through that same repeated cycle. Jesus said, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Strong words, because Jesus truly wanted his disciples to grow, wanted, to, uh, wanted them to experience more joy and faith in him. And every time they failed, he just knew they needed more they needed more lessons. They needed to grow more. And Jesus uses these words, how, how long am I to bear with you? He will never give up on us. He will always bear with us. Because watch what Jesus does next. There's actually time for another lesson. He says at the end of verse 41 to the man, bring your son here. Bring your son here. While he, the boy, was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. He healed the boy and he gave him back to his father. Quite a lesson. Despite the weak faith of the man, the still growing faith of the disciples, Jesus bears with them, heals the boy, teaches another lesson, wanting them to continue to grow in their feet. These are the disciples and they still had room to grow. But what about the crowd? What about the crowd? How are they responding to all of this? Luke tells us in verse 43, and all were astonished at the majesty of God. 
And that makes sense, right? I mean, this crowd had been there to witness everything that's happened. They, they felt the desperation of this boy's father for his only son. They witnessed the torture of the, the demon as it threw the boy into convulsions on the ground. They even watched the disciples fall short, but then saw Jesus come in and saw his authority to heal the boy and restore him to his father. Amazing things. And Luke has shown us this amazement many times. I went back and looked. I want to share a couple of them with you. Luke chapter 4, Jesus cast out demons, and it says, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? In Luke chapter 5, Jesus told Peter where to go and catch literally two boatloads of fish, right? And it says, For Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Later again in verse 5, Jesus forgave the sins and healed the paralytic. And it says, And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Luke chapter 7, Jesus raised the widow's son, and it said, Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And Luke chapter 8, when Jesus calmed that storm, the disciples' fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, uh, I'm sorry, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him? And now we see the crowd around the boy as Jesus healed the boy. It says they were astonished at the majesty of God. Wow, it is good and right to be amazed by God. That's a beautiful form of worship to see what he is doing in our lives. But as we're going to see more next week, Jesus knew that his disciples and the crowds needed more than just to be amazed to continue to grow in their faith. And so do we. A few weeks ago, uh, Tom Kristoff, also known as TK Magic, was performing a magic show for the Joy Connect crowd at their potluck. And yes, I qualify for Joy Connect. See the gray. I'm a grandpa. I was down there. And I literally, I sat like five or six feet away from you, Tom. And I... I just marveled to see you make things disappear, reappear. One thing becomes two things. You could tell what card people were reading. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. And I sat there, and I was watching your hands. You even bent like an, a spoon and a fork, and, and I just couldn't figure out how he was doing these tricks. And I was completely and utterly amazed at what he was doing. But if I wanted to learn these tricks... And if I wanted to be more like TK Magic, it's going to take more than amazement to make me a magician. There's more to it than that. Now, not that Jesus is a magician. I'm not making that comparison. But as we grow in our faith in Jesus, yes, it takes amazement at who he is and all that he has done in our lives. And as Jesus just said a few verses earlier in Luke, it's going to take things like 
denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily and following him. And so, yes, let's be astonished and amazed and awestruck by Jesus, just like all these people through the gospel of Luke were. And just like the father, God, the father said in the crowd, in the cloud last week, he said, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. So listen and do what Jesus says till we can continue to grow in our faith. I've got a couple of takeaways I want to offer you. And the first one is just a repeat of the big idea. And that is no matter how long you've been with Jesus, there's always room to grow. Whether you are here this morning trying to figure out who Jesus is, you're, you're seeking faith, or, or maybe you're, you're really new in your faith in Jesus, or maybe you're somebody who has been walking with Jesus since you were a little boy or a little girl. Maybe that's been 10, 20, 40, 50 years ago, maybe, maybe even 70, 80 years ago. I want to tell you, God has not finished helping you grow in your faith. The fancy theological word that we use for this is called sanctification. And that just means a continuing process of becoming more and more pure over time, more and more holy over time, more and more like Jesus. Around here, we like to use this, this expression. We call it ongoing spiritual transformation. It's ongoing, it's it's change in our spiritual life, in our growth with Jesus. And we want to experience that transformation in our own lives. And then we want to see others around us experience transformation in their lives, in our homes, our neighborhoods, and the world. And and Beckon, would you come on up? Beckon is somebody who's grown up here at Hillcrest most of your life, right? How old were you when you got here? Uh, we moved when, we were, when I was five. When so. you were five years old. Yes. And uh, we love to tell stories around here. So tell us a story about, uh, about what God's been doing in your life to help you grow in your faith. Yeah. Um, so the other week when David asked how I live my every day as a missionary, I just couldn't help but share so many testimonies of what the Lord has been doing in my life and the lives around me. It just I was just in awe when I was reflecting on everything that he's done this past year. And so I'm here to share just one of the stories. Um, at the end of my time with Jesus in the mornings, I often ask, like, hey, God, who can I encourage today? And what do you want me to say? Um, and so this fall, I was just praying, and, and the Lord put this, my neighbor from back in Oregon. I used to live in Phoenix for school. And so my neighbor back here on my, on my mind, and I was like, oh, Lord, like, we haven't talked in years. And I, like, we're, we're not, like, super close friends, and she's not even a Christian, so, like, this will be really weird. And I kind of dismissed it or whatever, and then come the next day, and I asked the Lord again, like, hey, who can I encourage and pray today for today, and, and just love on them well, and as if, like, the Lord wouldn't, you know, remember her, and, and of course, her name was put on my mind again, and so I sat down and asked the Lord what he wanted to share with her, and it was just some really specific phrases that I was like, this is just interesting, Lord, like, it's really specific, out of the blue, kind of weird without context phrases. But sure enough, I got my phone out, sent a little voice memo, sent it over, and she responded and was just in awe. Um, and long story short, I can't share the details, but was like, I, I want a relationship with God. Like, I, I 
just, I, I want to be like you, and, and how do you know this, and that this is relevant, da, da, da. And she kind of explained the story, and it was just, it was incredible. And so then fast forward to this spring, and uh, we hadn't talked a ton, but um, the Lord put it on my mind again, and so I asked the Lord what he wanted to share with her, and this time it was a Bible story, and um, just highlighting a few key characters, and so I had sent her a voice memo of just kind of the image I was getting and describing the meaning of the characters and um, just the story or whatever. And she responded in tears and just Mm. kind of explaining how she had been walking with the Lord. But that week had to make some, she just took some steps of faith, but it it had some hard and real consequences to that. And her life was kind of flipped upside down the day before and just really hard. And it was incredible for me. It was a testimony for me and a testimony for her too of the Lord's power because the story lined up exactly with what she was walking through. And so then fast forward again, now it's summer, and so she wants to go through scripture together, and she wants to learn, like, how do you have a deep relationship with the Lord, and what does it look like to be a Christian, and beyond just going to church, like, how do I get there? Because she grew up in the church. She knows the truth, but she, like, isn't walking with the Lord closely, and so... um, that was incredible, and there's also, there's so many testimonies I want to share with you guys, but there's a couple other girls who are joining us, and they each have their own story of how the Lord has brought them back to himself in the last year, and it's so encouraging um, just to know that the Holy Spirit is continuing to teach me what it looks like to listen to him, what does his voice sound like, like how can I encourage others and use the gift of encouragement to love others well, and so that's my little story for the morning. That's awesome, awesome, and I know you probably are wanted to stay in Phoenix, you're back here, but sounds like God, yeah. <laughs> God has a reason for you yeah, to be here. So I yeah. did not super want to be back in Wisconsin, <laughs> um, but I just felt like the, this, it's just a couple things lined up for me to be home this summer, and, and that was yeah, one of them, yeah, and so awesome. just getting to do an intro level Bible study with some of these girls who I haven't talked to in years. But it was it was so cool to just catch up. And I met somebody actually at the coffee shop the other day. And, yeah. hey, you want to join this Bible study? Like, I'm starting. Uh, and she said yes. And uh, it was just like there's so many stories of awesome. what the Lord's doing. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Beckin. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyday missionary. Everyday missionary. Spending these everyday times, everyday meetings with God. Listening, praying, watching. And then taking those steps into those things. Because... No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, there's always room to grow. And we ask God to help us, help use us to help other people experience that same growth in their lives. Thank you, Beckin, uh, for sharing that. So that was point number one. Takeaway number two, I want to say this. Jesus wants to heal you physically and wants to heal you spiritually even more. He wants to heal you physically, and he wants to heal you spiritually even more. Whenever we talk about healing, I don't know about you, but, but it's usually the, the physical healing is what comes to my mind first. Uh, it's what this young boy's father was looking for for his son. It's what we tend to see on our, our email prayer requests that come out. A lot, a lot of times they have to do with, with physical things. And, uh, and, and, and I'm here to say physical suffering is, is, is absolutely real, and we, we should certainly be asking God for physical healing. But I was talking with uh, Fred Anderson the other day. He's uh, kind of our, the leader of our Joy Connect crowd. He, I asked permission if I could call him an older adult, and he said yes. And so he's an older adult, and, and he and I t- talk a lot, and, and I know he's got some ever-chronic back pain in his life. And so sometimes, I'll, good days and bad days, I'll go up to him and say, is this a good day or bad day? And so I, I did that the other day, and he said, it's not a good day today. It's not. 
But I just give it to the Lord. I don't let the pain get me down because I know someday it will be healed for sure. Probably not in this life, but soon it'll be healed in the next. Now, does Fred pray for physical healing in his life? Absolutely he does. Does he know that he'll be physically healed at some point? Absolutely he does. And how does Fred know that? Because Fred has been healed spiritually by God's grace. By his, through his growing faith and his growing belief in Jesus. Because like us all, Fred was spiritually dead in his transgressions and sins. And then my two favorite words of the Bible, Paul writes, but God. He was spiritually dead, but God stepped in and helped and healed him spiritually, forgiving his sins by grace through faith in Jesus. So when we think about healing, is it simply up to us to have enough faith or positive thoughts to be physically healed? No, that's not up to us. But what is up to us is to go to Jesus and allow him to use even physical suffering to help us find more and more spiritual healing to increase our faith and our joy in him all to the glory of God. And what's interesting about God is God knows exactly what we need to help us grow in our faith. He knows exactly what we need to help us grow in our faith. Now, how do we know what that is? It's whatever we're getting. It's whatever we're getting. Sometimes it's it's an experience of physical healing and resolution of difficult circumstances that we need to experience that to help us grow in our faith. Sometimes it's chronic physical pain or difficult financial or relational or emotional circumstances that God puts in our life because he knows we need that to push us to experience true and everlasting spiritual healing. So of those two, which are you getting today? Might be one, might be the other, might be a little bit of both. Whatever it is, I encourage you to to lean into it, asking God to help you listen closely to his teachings so that they can reshape and renew you to know his truth better and to best reflect Jesus around you in whatever he's inviting you into today. So as I get to my last takeaway, I'll invite the worship team to come on up and join me again here. The last takeaway is, in everything, pray with desperate dependence. It's one of our values here is desperate and dependent prayer. Several times Luke tells us, as he tells his gospel, that the people and even demons, there's a point where even demons beg Jesus for something. And today in our passage, the boy's father begged the disciples and then begged Jesus for help. I just kind of want to throw it out there and ask you, when was the last time 
you begged God for something, where you prayed with such desperate dependence. For some of you, it was probably this morning. For others, maybe, maybe it's been a while that you have begged him and prayed like that. Now, as we go through the Gospel of Luke, almost a year from now, we will finally get to Luke chapter 22. We're in Luke 9 today. Luke 22, where we see Jesus prayed on the Mount of Olives just before his arrest. And Jesus prayed like this. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And what that means is, Spare me from all this physical and spiritual suffering that I'm about to enter into. Jesus, though, said, Nevertheless, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And verse 44 says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Friends, that's our teacher, that's our king. He's showing desperate dependence on the Father, full submission to God's will. And he did it for our good and ultimately for his glory. So let's close and pray as such together. Father, uh, I ask and beg of you in all the things that may be going on in the lives of the people here in this room that you would help us to turn our eyes to you. Help us to learn and grow through whatever it is that you've invited us into these days. We, we beg you for that. Thank you for Jesus, for the lessons that he's taught us through his life and for his patience with us in our lives. And Father, thank you for your grace as you have called us from death to life in Christ, from death to life. And Father, as we celebrate communion now, help us to reflect on this as a, in, a, in a fresh way as, as Jesus died in our place to bring us spiritual healing and open the doors to eternal life. So Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.